there and welcome, welcome to System Mastery. It's the very special podcast where we discuss the very weirdest in role-playing games. If it's good, modern, or redeemable, we don't want it. As always, I'm Jeff, John's here somewhere. We've got a book to talk about and let's not waste any more of your time. No, let's get right to the point and ramble on about a cruddy old role-playing game and whatever stupid stuff we happen to think of for about an hour on today's System Mastery. Welcome back to System Mastery. As always, I'm Jeff. John, say hi to the nice people. Hello, nice people. <laughs> oh, man. That was almost a Humpus impression. Almost. Okay. So, what are we talking about this week? This week, we have a real treat. One of those books that I almost enjoyed. So close, right? It was, it was right there. I thought we were going to do this, and I was going to have to come on and talk to these lovely people and be like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I liked this book. I know you come here to hear us hate books. I know all you want is my pain and suffering to be poured out upon your ears. And yet... No, all they want is another baby. <laughs> yeah. They're, They're gone, gone tomorrow, tomorrow, boy. boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome been, to it. This has been Ace of Base Chat. <laughs> oh, Ace of Base Mastery. Coming soon, our new podcast. Tune in next week, but in the meantime, don't you turn around. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Be That's... sure to check out our website, aceofbasemastery.com, where you too can see the sign. <laughs> God damn it. There it is. That's all three Ace of Base songs. <laughs> there you go. That's all of them. We did it. <laughs> we did we it. Got bingo. We got them done in a minute and a half. <laughs> so uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, okay. It is uh, Fireborn. Fireborn. Yeah. Firebjorn. Yeah, Firebjorn. Yeah, that's what you should keep your baby in, is a Firebjorn. <laughs> ah, yes, that's what dragons keep their baby in. Oh. The Firebjorn. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Firebjorn is from FFG, or I think that's... Final, Final Fantasy Games. Fantasy Flight Games, is that Final right? Final Fight Games. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's first fucking games. Yes. <laughs> fucking Fan- family games. <laughs> fucking family games. <laughs> it has to be pronounced like that, like you're angry at fucking them. Fucking family games? Yeah. Parcheesy again? <laughs> if I have to play Careers one more time, <laughs> I'll enjoy it. Careers is great. <laughs> yeah, look up Careers, everyone. It's a great, great game. Great board game from the 50s that you should enjoy. <laughs> uh, okay, so Firebjorn is a role-playing game that... Feels like it should have been under White Wolf, and yet came out under Fantasy Flight. Oh yeah, I, but we were suggesting earlier, we were we were uh, theorizing earlier that someone pitched this thing to White Wolf. This feels like uh, someone walked into White Wolf Studios, tried to give the elevator pitch, and was like, "Look, here's here's the idea I got. Okay, so you're a guy, right? But you're not a guy. You're a dragon guy." And then someone behind him went. Trogdor! And then he said, Bring out the dancing girls. <laughs> I got a little something for daddy. <laughs> yeah, but instead, White Wolf was like, Well, okay, but how are they cursed and gothic? And where's the woe is me factor? I was like, Oh, there's there's not. You're, you're a cool dragon guy. And you, you want to do cool dragon things. Yeah, and since you're so cool, 
you get to do amazing things whenever you want, and if you people try and tell you that you're not a dragon on the inside, you know you are. Yeah, you can tell them, look man, I am a dragon, and I can prove it. And you can like, look at him real mean-like, yeah. and like, roar. Or yeah. You can, you can tell them to check their species privilege. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, Dragonborn is, when uh, I first fire, heard about, Fireborn? Yeah, no, Dragon Dragonborn are the best race. Dragonborn, the second expansion for uh, Elder Scrolls Oblivion. <laughs> no, not Oblivion, one of my Skyrim. <laughs> yes, for Oblivion. Sure. The Dragonborn, the second expansion for Oblivion that had to do with D&D's race and being a Final <laughs> Fantasy game that was... Oh God, we're all we're all screwed up. No, we're, none of this is funny. None of this is usable. We're all, we're all turned around. Should we take this out? Never, never. <laughs> it die. Our art will live or die as it stands. <laughs> I will never do a second take. I'm an artist. Yeah, I mean that was like Jim Davis for like the first ten years of his career when he would submit those those Garfields that were exactly the same, but you could see Garfield's penis. <laughs> and, and so for like ten years, he was like, "Oh, my art lives and dies." <laughs> if if the newspapers say no, they say no. But I will not take those penises out. And then eventually, he got really hungry. Yeah, no, I mean, it, you can tell it wasn't even on Garfield. It wasn't that Garfield has a, had a penis in frame. It was in the back. There were just pictures of Garfield's penis yeah. hung up on the wall. Labeled John, Garfield's penis. Yeah. John would walk past them and then occasionally <laughs> oh, be following like, me. Oh, man, I'm so lonely. Good thing I have Garfield's penis here. <laughs> That's why the uh, the second book, after Garfield's Liv- Garfield Lives Large, I believe was called Garfield Hangs Dong. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. after that was Garfield, wait till you see my dick. <laughs> Garfield, hey, bitch. <laughs> Man, I would so read Garfield, hey, bitch. <laughs> Garfield, I'm gonna beat that pussy up. And it works! <laughs> oh, cause oh it's a normal book. Because of a cat. It's a big dog that lives next door. <laughs> oh, uh, Lord. What are we even talking about? Okay, Fireborn. Fireborn. From Fireborn. Final Fl- Fantasy Flight Games. Okay. A pedigreed company that's made shit like uh, like Star Wars Edge of the Empire. Oh, yeah. And the Warhammer role-playing games. They're, they're a big name. And they do good stuff. Yeah. And not... This, this is not included in that list of good stuff. No, I just wanted to put it out there, because I, I, I want you to know how far this book fell. And the, how the tall thing the tree is, was. the book, when you first start reading it, isn't immediately obvious that it's going to be bad. A lot of the times when we crack open a book, we're like, wow, alright, well, cover to cover, this is just some garbage. Oh man, is this soft cover, 90 pages, the whole thing's done in three column format? <laughs> yep, well, this is going to be some crap. But but not this one. This one starts by telling you the rule for how the, the basic unified rule for the game. And the first thought you're going to have is, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. So when you first open this book up, and before you get to all the complicated rules or anything else, they go, hey, here's the basic idea of our game. You've got four stats. They're elemental. You've got fire, earth, air, water. These are your stats. You've got two active stats, two defensive stats. And whenever you want to do something, if you've got skills... Whatever your skill level is, you can move that many dice from one of your stats to another one for that roll. I'm getting really tired of the whole fire, earth, air, water thing. Like, I know I've seen The Last Airbender and all, but what's it going to take for some game to release one that's fire, earth, air, and cool ranch? Like, (laughs) we haven't hit that yet. Well, I mean, come on. (laughs) Obviously, they're not going to, 
water brand Doritos are the most popular <laughs> they, selling. They are hitting big these days. <laughs> oh man, water flavored Doritos. And every once in a while you get one with a whole bunch of extra water powder on it. Oh yeah, oh, that's the best. You're <laughs> like, oh, I can taste the moisture. I can get the water out of this powder. <laughs> I'm gonna gr- grind these up and make water chicken. <laughs> water chicken. Okay. So, you have those stats, your skills move dice, and that's it. The skills don't add dice to anything. So if I was going to say, attack someone, a physical skill that is active is under fire. Mm -hmm. And let's say I've got a melee skill of two. I could then say, I'll take two dice from Earth, which is my mental defensive skill, throw it into fire, and say, great. Now I'll add those two dice over to that for my roll. Now... What this means, though, is if someone were to attack me mentally, then I would have fewer dice in my earth pool. You could pull something from some of the other ones. You could say, all right, I'll pull some water over to my earth to, blo- to, to block against that mental attack. But ultimately, you can't pull from fire back to earth during this, a scene. Well, what you've got is two pulls during a scene. Two pulls, yeah, because you're special. Most folks have one pull. But you're so special that you get two. Yeah. Scions are... Uh, the human with a dragon soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the mythic age, there were dragons, mm-hmm. and it's going to be very important that you know that they are made out of karma. Mm-hmm. They're uh, made of karma. Yeah. Most of the supernatural creatures that you will encounter or have heard of in mythology mm-hmm. are all beings made of karma, but humans make karma. That's correct. So a human, for example, will make karma... But a mythical animal like a karma chameleon, that, that will take karma. And if humans try to, to take karma and be made of karma, then they are arrested by the karma police. Oh, God. Okay, you can't see it because it's a podcast, but I'm hurting. There's a deep hurting going on oh, with me right are now. Are you so angry? <laughs> I am so angry right now. Maybe you should call the karma police. And tell them about me. Yeah, well, what with that Hitler hairdo you've got going on? Oh, come on, I don't know. I have a shaved head. (laughs) (laughs) Hitler hairdo. Yeah, you're a skinhead now. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Damn it, you got me. Yeah, I've worked it in there. (laughs) Yeah, got it in there. All right, so, all right, okay. So, the stats are actually pretty cool. Okay, and yeah, and it's a very simple system, and the idea of fluidity between uh, gives a decent risk reward system of okay sure i could pull from my offensive mental stat air put it into fire for my offensive physical stat because i want to punch someone and go okay i'm probably not going to make an attack with air that's fine but if something comes up and you have to do that you've only got two you can use so you can't just ignore any given stat and and to summarize them fire is Kind of your uh, physical active skill. Mm-hmm. And earth is your physical defensive skill. No, that's water. Oh, sorry. Water is your physical defensive skill. That's your, your ability to react to incoming physical things is water. Air is your uh, active or aggressive mental skill. And earth is your reactive or defensive mental skill. Yeah. So you've got those and each one of them is super useful in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during your turn, if it's your turn in combat or anything like that, you make uh, two actions. You can do a physical action and a mental action. Mm-hmm. So you can't just ignore everything unless you want to not do something. And even the 
uh, Earth gives you how much as far as your, like, uh, health boxes and things like that, mm -hmm. how much you can take for minor wounds. So even if you look at it and go, oh, well, I don't want to worry about someone psychically assaulting me, I'll get rid of Earth, it still plays into how many hit points you have, technically. So even someone who's just a physical character still wants it. It means there's no dump stat. Right. And the, and the, the health track in this game is weird. You start with ten empty boxes, and you fill in boxes until you have as many unfilled boxes as your Earth score. And then you mark down what your water score is. And then every time you take a water score number of, of hits, like if you have a water well, score of four... It's damage compared to your water score. Mm -hmm. So if I take, say I have a water score of four. Right. And I take four damage or less, mm -hmm. nothing happens nothing to me. Happens, I shrug it off. Because that's how tough you are. But if you take five, then you get that one point that goes in excess, and it goes on your health tra health track. Yeah, so you'll take a minor wound. Now, yeah. minor wounds don't have any penalties associated with them. You just take a minor wound, it goes on your track, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Now, if you fill up your minor wound track, or you take uh, double your water score in damage, then you're going to take a uh, what's called a die penalty in the game. Mm -hmm. And depending on how... Much damage you take in one shot uh, depends on how much of a die penalty you'll take. Right. So normally you go to a minus one if you fill up your miners, uh, or you get a minus one if you take more than double your water score. And then it goes on from there. So if I take, like, triple my water score, then I'll take a minus two penalty, and so on. And these are cumulative. Right. So if I take a mi if I take double my water and I get a minus one, and next turn I take double water, get minus one of it, minus two total. Right. And real briefly... The uh, the base mechanic in this game, the very base mechanic in this game, is roll a d6. On a 4, 5, or 6, you have a success. On a 1, 2, or 3, you have a failure. So, for example, if you just roll fire, if you just say, all right, all I'm doing is checking to see how strong I am briefly. All I'm going to do is roll fire. You roll whatever your fire score is in dice, and say you have a fire of 4, you roll 4d6, and you count the number of dice that are 4 or higher, and that's your number of successes. Yeah, and i got to say, again, very simple... Easy to grasp, and I was going through this book fully expecting it to be like, all right, where's all the target number fuckery? Yeah, where's, where's the, the stuff where it says, oh, you succeed on a two-up, or you fail on a five, or whatever? Yeah, and it never happens. It's always a 50-50 split. Which, of course, means that the game doesn't need D6s at all. You can play this game with every die. It does. It's just divide it in half, and you can play this this game. What with about coins. my nine-sided die or if my three-sided die? If you've got nine and three-sided dice, then you can still play them with this game. Just take those dice and cram them directly into your butt, and then get a d6. <laughs> what makes you think I haven't already? <laughs> nine-sided dice are designed primarily to be crammed directly up your butt. That's right. What, that's what they're for. That's why I bought them. Yeah. Have you ever actually seen a nine-sider? I've not. I, yeah. I, I mean, I know. I knew. I have a 16-sided die, <laughs> so I, I know there's useless dice out there. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of real yeah. dumb useless dice. Right, but I, and I know the D3, because that's just a D6 with, with uh, the same sides printed twice, but a 9 size. Oh, it, no, D3 is like a little pyramid. You get like a triangle, so you only get the three sides, so it kind of slopes up, and you get two sides and then a bottom side, and then the, the other ones that would connect it are just real thin and don't have anything printed on them. It's totally useless, awful design. But there is technically a just a D3. It looks like a malformed D4. I feel like I'm going to get mad at it because just like the D10, it's not a platonic solid. Nope. Yeah, just like I saw a D5 once and I was like, oh, that, that just hurts my head. <laughs> That's like trying to look at like a, like a, like, like, you know when you put your hand on a piece of paper and you draw a tracer around it? 
the D five kind of looks like if you tried to trace a, a uh, drawing around an egg beater. <laughs> it, like it, like it doesn't fit. <laughs> it, it just causes a buzzing sensation, and eventually your ear starts bleeding. Yeah, that's that's a D five. You start looking at it. Reality warps a bit. Yeah, you find yourself walking around Cyclopean halls. Yeah. And then you're like trying to tell people about a gremlin on a plane. It's just, it's just, it, it's crazy how fast it gets you. <laughs> so, all right. So that's the basic die mechanic. And then skills. Uh, John mentioned earlier that the way skills work in this game is you can have a skill with a value up to the value of your uh, your stat. So if you have a fire of four, then you can have a fire, say, melee ability or whatever they call it in this game. It's fighting or fisting. It's melee. Melee. Yeah. You can have that up to four as well, which enables you to pull up to four dice from other. Uh, stats and bring them over to fire. Now it does have to be one stat. So one if stat. I've got, yeah. say, threes and everything else, but a four in my skill, I could still only take three. But if you go to zero in any given skill for your dice there, you are considered to just sort of be crippled in that. Right. So if I pulled everything out of fire and I had zero dice in fire, I would be like, oh, I can't move or walk. Okay, by itself, with just that, and then with karma, which you can spend to buy instant successes and things. Yeah, Karma is the engine behind this. Yeah, Karma is equivalent to your Earth score times five if you're a Scion. You end up with a, a reasonable amount of Karma, and you can buy successes in an ability, something that you roll on a one-for-one -one basis with Karma. So it's the essence of this game, or the mana, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so Karma is what you use when you actually want to do something. Right. So if I roll dice and I go, look, I only got like one success, I really need three, Toss two karma at it, get two successes, great. Uh, so that's so effectively with just those things, with a pool of points that you can spend to turn failure into successes, and uh, d sixes that you roll to check for successes. This is basically an exalted game. This is basically exalted the game or an old white wolf or something. What sets it apart? Uh, well, you're part dragon. Oh, so, you're a dragon. So you have to make a lot more choices, don't you? So now you've got a bunch of packages that you'll get and you'll recognize this from a lot of various games of you stuff like okay pick your background oh i'm a dilettante or i'm a cop or i'm a thief or i'm whatever the hell and it gives you a package of stuff so it'll say this is your starting wealth this is what uh skills you start with mm -hmm. and like here's uh, a couple fighting style points here's a couple edges you can get yeah and, and the edges are basically just a little better than skills and a little worse than superpowers Edges are... They're feats. Th yeah, they'd be like feats yeah. in any other game where it's, oh, what's your edge do? Oh, I'm kind of tough, or I'm a little faster, or I hit a little harder. Yeah, they're things that humans can do. Yeah, so it'd be like, say I have the edge of brutal. Mm -hmm. And that says if I'm using any medium or large weapon and I hit someone, I'm going to do a little more damage based on how many ranks... Of brutal, I have right. So they're they're feats. They're yeah, it's just feats. little little numerical tweaks. Right, and then those feats are you have availability to those those edges or feats or edges based on uh, which one of your archetype uh, human types you are. Now, one thing that's interesting to note about this game is that it is definitely set in London. Yeah, one hundred percent, guys. This is in London. Don't try and set it other places. Look, you could, but don't. Yeah, it's and, and we looked it up just because I know we're breaking our own rules about research around here, but I wanted to know where the authors were from. No one's from England. No, of course not. No one's, no one's English in this game. They just fucking love England's big old, old pale, spotty dick. <laughs> yeah, they. the whole book is, look, London is, it's so mystical. It's got such history to it. And, like, you walk around the streets of London, and it's like, 
you can feel the modern world mixing with the mythical age. Right. And, and to the point where they're like, if a dragon were to come to Earth and be a dragon walking amongst the humans on Earth, I believe it would choose London as its destination. And then there's a sidebar near the very back of the book where it goes, if you must, if you absolutely must set the book somewhere other than dear London, the perfect setting for this game, perhaps choose New York or Milan. <laughs> Yeah, I actually went through the DMG for this. Yeah. And it's got an entire section of, hey man, what if you don't want to do London? And it's like, alright, well here's the things. You're gonna have to know that everything sucks now if you're outside of London. And you have to decide, well, why are you outside of London? I mean, that's gonna be what everyone wants to know. That's a good question. Why aren't you in London? That's what I ask everyone I meet every day. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, thank you for the meal, but why aren't you in London right now? Yeah, for that uh, that's going to affect your tip. Why aren't I in London? Can you answer me that? Because that's also going to affect your tip. <laughs> uh, so anyway, this book's got a lot of London butt-sniffing happening in it. It's It's kind of pervasive. Yeah, and the reason that everything happens in London is that is where the bubble of karma has appeared. Now, mm -hmm. the general conceit for this is, in the Mythic Age... There were dragons and humans and weird creatures and a whole bunch of crazy shenanigans. And karma was everywhere. And then there started to be something called the taint. And the taint was everywhere. <laughs> the taint. And everyone was real scared of the taint. But they shouldn't have been. You should really just get into that taint. <laughs> just, just get in there and fix that taint. Work it around. <laughs> oh, oh, the enemies in this game. They're all powered by a force called the gooch. <laughs> Ah, yes, those who dwell in the fleshy fun bridge. <laughs> okay. The creatures composed of pure perennium. <laughs> so, so what happened is there was some global spanning ritual that a bunch of mages did, and they accidentally tore a hole, and it sucked the taint right out. <laughs> they tore a hole right in the taint. <laughs> so, but in addition to sucking out the taint, it also got rid of all the karma. Yes. So all the magic, everything in the world got essentially sucked out through this hole. And where that hole happened to be is in modern day London. And what has happened is over the past year or two or whatever, some new ritual has happened. They don't really get into it. But some global event happened that is now plugging the hole. So karma is refilling the world starting in London. Okay, so basically, London is a giant hole that over the centuries has been filled with human garbage. Yeah, so what I'm saying is, yeah. really, London, there's a big hole in London that's just filled with taint. Filled with taint, but if you think about it, karma is something that humans generate, right? Oh, yeah. It's an output of humans, which means literally this game purports that London is a giant hole full of human garbage. <laughs> and the weird thing is, so humans, the big deal with humans is, we generate a shitload of karma just by our desires and our actions and we generate karma but we don't hold a lot of it in we constantly uh get karma out into the world but we only have a little bit for ourselves oh yeah if i don't get karma out into the world like once every three days man i start having the weirdest dreams <laughs> start dreaming of taint <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> so the the weird thing for me is it says well because the plug uh was in London, that's where, like, stuff is starting to pool and then go out from there. And I go, yeah, but there's humans everywhere. Wouldn't, like, 
fucking India just all of a sudden be like, oh shit, there's a lot of supernatural crap here now. Well, no, one of the things that we that matters geographically about the world is that the whole world slopes downwards towards London. <laughs> what matters is the whole world slopes towards white people. Yeah, <laughs> right towards London, which is admittedly does not. It, it, it's got a, a a more diverse population than say Portland does. <laughs> so. So at least it's got that going for you it. You know, it's got that. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, karma accumulates in London, and that's why the scions of ancient mythic dragons are slowly realizing who and what they are as they go about the humdrum mundanity of their regular daily lives. Now, again, we talked earlier about how you get to pick sort of a class for yourself in this game, and it's things like, John was saying, like, dilettante and thief, and it's... It's just like White Wolf, where you pick a weird... It's more like a like an archetype than a class. It, no, uh, it's just, what are you doing in your yeah. day-to-day life? A few of them I, I found particularly annoying, particularly radical, which all... It, it's just, <laughs> you're, a, you're a rebel, and all you want to do is rebel, and you want to fill the world with things that are not what the world wants. It's like, okay, but what are you fucking doing? What Are you, are you playing Second Life? What's happening? <laughs> like, like, I assume that the... the Rebel has the exact same job as the barista. It's just that he doesn't like it as much. Oh no, the rebel is basically just I'm a slam poet. Yeah, that also I'm... works at Denny's, and I hate the system. And yeah. that's what you are. The rebel is that guy who dresses like Morpheus and pretends he's Morpheus, <laughs> and says, "Hey guys, call me Morpheus." Guys, please call me Morpheus, though. Hey guys, guys, Morpheus, though. <laughs> guys, it's Mor- I mean that works for other people coming out of London. There was one guy wandering around London for years, going, "Come on, guys, call me Sting." Come on. <laughs> Come, come, on. On. come on. Oh, yeah. Someone... Sure, Gordy. Come on. We'll get right on that. Someone call me Sting, please. Yeah. Please call me. Great, Gordon. <laughs> See, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Next thing you get to pick. Yeah. So, after you've picked uh, what your position in modern life is, you now get to pick what your dragon sire is. Yeah, and, and this isn't who gave birth to you. No. Uh, and it's not even really someone that you worship. It's basically... What mythological dragon figure do you resonate with? Right, and it's also not which mythical dragon you were in your past life. Because one of the major conceits of this game that we haven't really talked about is that you make two characters. You make yourself in the modern age, and you make a dragon in the mythic age that you used to be. Now, your dragon may have known, like, Hydra is one of them. Yeah. So you may have, as a dragon in the Mythic Age, been like, Hey, I know Basilisk. Hi, Basilisk. I'm a guy. I know you. We're both dragons. Right. But or, or you are not. Them. Yeah, you're not You're not Basilisk. You're not Behemoth. You're not, uh, let's see, uh, Rahak or Zahak. You're not Laidon. You're not any of Bellerophon. You're not any of these dragons. No. You're, you're just some dragon who may have known these cool dragons, but you are inspired by them, and they are sort of your kind of spiritual daddy they are the echidna to your hydra they're bigger than you yeah the the whatever dragon you pick is sort of what concept do you resonate with as a supernatural being so it might be like all right i'm really into change and i like uh making things be uh different so you'd pick a dragon about chaos and change or you'd pick one that's i'm about protecting people or you'd pick one that's about destruction or fucking. Now, let's make it clear that there are probably about 15, maybe 20 of these in the book. Uh, we don't have time or inclination to name all of them, but let it be known that if you can think of someone who's a mythic dragon or even just a big mythic snake, they're probably listed here. Yep. Uh, and most of them are jerks. 
almost, I'd say two-thirds of the choices you have is like, you pick this guy. You like to destroy everything and hate people. You pick this guy. Oh, he hates everyone and just wants to eat and tells everyone to go fuck themselves. Right. It's, you picked Behemoth. You want to fuck. That's all you want to yeah. do. You don't care about anything all else. All you do is that. Even some of the dragons, literally, they had to change some of the dragons from just some mythic dragon to being a nice guy. Just so they'd have a few dragons that weren't assholes. Like, Ladon, for example, is a dragon that doesn't do anything but guard an apple tree in, in Greek mythology. He doesn't do anything else. He guards an apple tree and eventually is defeated and they get the apples off the tree. That's the story of Ladon. He, he, he's a dragon who works for a few centuries and then fails. In this game, he's a wise and benevolent teacher because someone had to be. Yeah, they're like, okay, this guy has nothing in the background. There's nothing in his story that goes, oh, what was he like? Uh, he was like a dragon. That's what he was. He was, right, he was like a snake. He literally encircled a tree. Yeah. So at that point, they're like, well, fuck it. We can make up whatever we want. So mm, he's a teacher now. He's a wise teacher because someone had to be. The end. So there's a lot of those too. A lot of the and a lot of the dragons just weren't dragons. Well, eh. The West African one was not a dragon. It was that that name <laughs> refers to the oldest man in in that their society and the first person to die. Not a dragon in any shape or form. The the, the Middle Eastern one, Zahak, that's just the Middle Eastern word for dragon. Yeah, that's it's not. A, that's like saying that Arthur. That's like saying King Arthur was a dragon because his name was Arthur Pendragon. <laughs> <laughs> well, the big thing with this is the Mythic Age isn't direct thing. So, like, Ladon wasn't literally, like, yeah, I fought fucking guys and I was around a tree and I did stuff. It's, I was a dragon that existed in the Mythic Age and I influenced people and the idea of me was passed on and now people tell stories with my name in them because I was so cool. Yeah, <laughs> sure they do. People tell stories of Ladon by saying Hercules one time circumvented Ladon. That's the story of Ladon. Good day. Yeah. But anyway, okay, this is like one of the most forgettable parts of the book. You pick the, you pick a weird dragon. They're almost all assholes. So if you don't want to be a huge jerk, you pick one of like the four that aren't. Yeah. And then that that informs uh, a couple of your stats and which edges uh, fighting like, styles, which fighting styles you have access to, and which uh, what's the other thing? Spells. Uh, it gives you your. Uh, I think it's your. Uh, powers, so basically just your superpowers, and then... Oh, and your legacy. And your legacy, which you... Is your super superpower. It, it's a karma-fueled one. So, like, your edges and your powers and everything, you can use without having to spend karma. Mm -hmm. You can spend them, usually, like, the powers have a role to do something. Yeah. You can spend karma for successes, but your legacy is your actual karma-fueled superpower that does whatever... By you shoving your magic essence your, into it. Yeah, your energy into it. So why don't we just run through those real quick, because those are the next things you have to choose. The next things you choose are your edges, which we've talked about. Those are basically feats. Your powers, which are dragony abilities that you would normally ascribe to dragons or mythological monsters, but that aren't quite super, super powerful. So they include things like... Uh, help me out here. What's well, it? I mean, it gives you some of your turn-into-a-dragon qualities, so yeah. you get like... I grow dragon claws Armored or teeth. Skin. Yeah, uh, you get scales, wings, horns, whatever. Some of them are like more cerebral. Uh, two of the big ones that are the most important are instinct and clarity, which are the ones that give you quickened initiative, which lets you just go first in in certain combat situations. Yeah, if you manage to roll well, then you can get basically a surprise round of one action. Oh yeah, if you have if you have instinct or clarity at all, you go you go before everyone else in the fight who does not have those abilities gets to go. Well, you still have to succeed at it. If you roll zero successes oh. on your clarity roll, then you don't get to do dick. That's true. Fair enough. Okay. 
So those those are both in there. So that's what those are. And then legacy is great big flashy powers. So like a good example of a legacy power would be uh, born of fire. If you have born of fire, then your character is a fiery dragony type, and they their blood gets to catch on fire, and they're very intimidating because you can see the fire behind their eyes, and when you hit them, they bleed fire lava onto you, and you take damage, and they can pump more karma into this to do more damage coming back out. Yeah, so they. This would be like your classic fire-breathing dragon. You go, look, I throw karma into this, and I straight breathe fire on you. Right. Uh, uh, there's things like Aegis, which is, uh, my dragon was super tough, had, like, iron scales or whatever, and it just means I throw karma at damage that happens to me, and I say, no, I didn't take that. And there's another one that's basically the, the Hydra power, where your da dragon can't die. Because as long as you have karma at all, you'll regenerate from nothing. If you, way... if you die with zero karma, then you actually die. Yeah, but otherwise, you just the biggest piece left of you slowly regenerates into the rest. And then there's flying, there's uh, teleporting, there's wall crawling, which I think was hilarious to find that in the list. Like, oh my gosh, you can choose between phasing and teleporting and flying, but you might want to just be able to climb walls. Maybe. You know, you know some guys just like climb. They're not so flashy. <laughs> well, so, this, yeah. this ties into when you're making your dragon character... Where you pick one of three types of dragons, mm -hmm. uh, you can get a big, burly, fuck-off dragon that can't fly. Yeah, like the Tarasque, which is actually a French mythological dragon. Yeah. Or yeah. you can get your classic dragon, so uh, large, you know, four-legged flies. Yeah. Or they, you can get your serpentine dragon. Which is funny because they actually, when they're going through the four-legged can-fly dragon, they go... This is the dragon most people in the world associate with dragons. And I'm like, no, no, it isn't. <laughs> Do you know how big Asia is, book writers? <laughs> uh, it's very big. And they like snaky dragons. And so they have their snaky dragons as that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then the snake dragons can have wings. Or there's also a thing you can get where you get to fly on pure karma if you want to be one of those flying dragons that just flies on, like, air. Well, because you have to choose two things. First, you choose one of those three types of dragon, and that's kind of your baseline template model dragon. That's like saying, I'd like a Ford uh, Focus. And then you get to choose between shit like Abyssal and Fiery and uh, Chimeric. And though that's like saying, I want the LX package. On the on my Ford Focus Dragon model, I want the the LX package, which gives me extra heads. If well, I yeah, could. it's it's basically more than that. It'd be like okay, picking between a truck or a sedan, and then deciding which specific one you want, because all of those ones are going to give you like, oh, I've got multiple heads, or I've got fire breathing, just baseline. I do shenanigans. I breathe coal. And there's a lot of these too. Now, whatever you pick is going to affect. What you do, now you have two options when you make the dragon. You can either mirror yourself, which is the super easy version, so you just go, anything you picked for you, you just take a dragon, make it that but better. Yeah, what, add one Done. to all your stats, basically, is the way you do a mirror Well, it's dragon. like you get, like, a fucking six in something, and yeah, a five because, and whatever. Because and... there's a difference between regular stats and supernatural stats in this game, which is one of the things, like, we were talking about how this game looks awesome when you first start reading it, and then you get about halfway through, and you're like, ah, so complicated. The, your stats suddenly branch out between regular and supernatural. And supernatural is not you get to roll more dice or anything. It's subtract your supernatural rating from penalties applied against you. It's just auto-successes. Yeah, sort of. 
No, it, it is. It's just, if I have six supernatural rating in fire, I get six auto successes on fire. Yeah, I, yeah, okay. The, it, it's, it just gets, it just gets complicated and confusing, and there's all these things that change. And what you were about to finish saying, which is that you can build your dragon by saying, me, but more dragony, or you can say, my dragon form from the ancient world is a whole other guy. Yeah. He's got nothing to do with me. And the problem with that is, you might go, oh, well, I want to tell the story of how, like, my old dragon self was a huge D-bag, but me, as a human, through my many incarnations, I've learned to not be a huge D-bag. Except the problem with that is, if you create a dragon with different powers or a different legacy or whatever the hell you have, then you're... You can't you have to pay you twice. You have to pay twice as much in order to get anything that your dragon didn't have. Yeah. So uh, you're just shitty if you try and do that. I feel like we're glossing over so much as we go through this. Well, meh. Yeah. We're I mean, we're far enough into it and we haven't even gotten into a shitload of the random well, crap in here. I think one of the things we should really talk about is why you have a dragon as a, and a human form. Well, okay. So this has an interesting mechanic that is called the flashback. And normally you go through your day and you're a guy. You're a guy and you're kind of dragony and you're slowly remembering that you used to be a dragon. And when you remember that, you have a flashback. Now, normally when you're a guy and you're kind of dragony in this game, what that really means is you're a guy and you're one of those people on Tumblr who says they're kind of dragony. Except in this game, eventually you're right. Yeah. No, this is other kin the game in the same way that Basically, after the bomb is furry the game, it doesn't matter if they're not trying to be. The fact that that exists means that's what you are now. Yeah, you know, I really never hear people say that that uh, after the bomb is furry the game. Mostly because there are furry games out there that say furry in the name. Well, the problem is, after the bomb is way more of a furry game than, say, Furry Pirates was. No, it's, it's true, it is. Because, it, you know, it lets you play mutant animals that have interesting mutant animal and powers. And sex bunnies. And sex and pleasure bunnies. Although, let's be fair, pleasure bunnies don't look like rabbits. They look like 80s ladies. Which is the problem with that, is you're you're trying to make a sex rabbit, and you're appealing to someone who's like, yeah, that sounds like a thing I want to do, and you didn't even give them, like, ears. Well, okay, this has always been a problem in, in Palladium, is that, uh, for some reason, every single species in Palladium ever, regardless of what it is, if it's a psychic worm or a mutant te- a t- a triceratops or something, they all still use the human standard of beauty. Uh, all of them. Is like a, a, a psychic Zembok worm has a D4 PB because it's ugly. Yep, it knows it's ugly. It knows, and, and it's always like, oh, you know what I would like? I'd like a dumb bro- blonde with a big veiny rack. That's <laughs> that's what I like. That's what psychic worms all want. <laughs> it's true. They've been influenced by our culture. You get those Zembok, and they're just straightening their hair and trying to talk all humany. <laughs> yeah, and they're trying. They're constantly peacocking, like they they roll in on one giant platform boot. <laughs> Yeah, Ugh. ladies are going to ask me about this platform boot, and that's when I make my move. Unless they're less than a seven. I'll tell you what. <laughs> uh, Alright, so... Boy, okay. are we ever off topic. So, the the flashback mechanic is supposed to be there for you're remembering things from a past life. And it can be used as either a like teaching thing of, oh, you're trying to figure out some mystery, and then we have a flashback to when... Your dragon was trying to figure out something weird that was going on. Yeah, or it could be in the middle of combat. There's a scene in the in the book that describes a uh, scion being chased violently by, like, cops or something. And then she flashes back to when her dragon self was running from something as well. <laughs> yeah, there's... Essentially, a flashback can happen at any time mm-hmm. to any number of characters. Like, you can have a flashback that is, alright, the three of you are included in this flashback. Which is good, because otherwise those would get real boring real fast. Oh, yeah. 
Well, there's no given thing in the book that says how long a flashback is supposed to be. Yeah. And I feel like a couple minutes is probably what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I see, like, the problem I feel like is you lavish exactly as much attention and time on making your dragon character as you do on making your human character. But the idea when you get you get when you're reading through it is this is literally a flashback. Like it should be about ten percent of the story is spent on these dragons. Yeah, and when they talk about the XP system in this, oh, yeah, they're like, oh, if you spent a lot of time on flashbacks, you'll get a lot of this XP. Now there's two different XPs, human and heritage, and the human uh, is you can spend it on edges or fighting styles or things like that. Anything that's human, right? And heritage you can spend on Confederate flags. Yes, obviously. Right. So. You can spend on your state's rights. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I couldn't pass it. I'm sorry. Uh, Heritage, that's, that's fine. Everything's fine. Heritage is what you spend on your dragon era powers and so on. And you could, literally, the, the DM is encouraged to be like, well, you guys spent a little more time doing dragon stuff this week. So instead of getting 10 human XP, you get 7 dragon XP and 3 human XP. Except for you, Mark, because you didn't have a flashback. You get... 8 human XP and 2 dragon XP. But if you want, you can spend 2 of your human XP to buy 1 dragon XP. It's just like, ugh, stop it. Yeah, so the the XP system silos things off, which isn't a terrible idea if it was siloed better. Yeah, the Because you might say, alright, I don't want this to escalate supernaturally really fast and go, look, I'm just going to give you a bunch of human points right. and not worry about the heritage. Or you could say... I know everyone is clamoring to get to the point where they're fucking fire-breathing weirdos. Because you eventually get the ability to sort of mutate yourself into a dragon for a while by spending karma. Almost everyone does. Yeah, you, you get uh, different forms, and you can even spend XP to gain a favored form. Because normally, it would be like, alright, I spend an action, I grow claws. I spend an action, I get wings. I spend an action, I get bigger. In this, you can say, alright, I spend XP to make a favored form. So I spend one action, and I get bigger, get claws, and get wings all at once. Yeah. So, anyway, you, you can eventually turn yourself into a dragon, which, you know, if you want if you want that to be your game, then you're going to be getting more heritage XP to spend on that stuff. Yeah. All right. Uh, so it's not... Basically, this whole game is, well, that's not the worst idea. It's just not done well. I'd say that one of the problems I run into when reading through it the dragon characters are uniformly unthreatenable. You can't do anything to them. They're well, they they are. They don't get XP in the game. Yeah. They are full-fledged, done characters. Yeah, they're, they're they're at the peak of their career. When you're in your dragon form, you're like a level 20 D&D character. You're, you're crazy unstoppable. Which led me to wonder, like, there's that scene in the book again where a character is being chased and then flashes back to a dragon form where she's being chased by some cop or something. And her immediate reaction is to tur- isn't just to turn around and eat him. Which I, I feel like the game kind of forgot. Well, the the game has the problem of being too mysterious for its own good. Yeah, it never... doesn't want to tell anyone anything that's in the DMG, so you don't know what happened in the Mythic Age. You don't know uh, what the main bad guys are. You don't really know what Taint is. You don't know what's happening. And so the idea that you would give a fuck about anything as a dragon makes no sense. And, you know, in the DMG it tells you, oh yeah... Uh, there are these weird ancient beings that want to regain control of the Earth. They are those who dwell beneath, and they're ridiculously powerful, and can even corrupt dragons and, like, turn them crazy. Which gives you something to be running away from. But the the base book itself suffers a lot from that kind of, these characters are too powerful feel. Like, they, they give you the combat example. The combat example in this game is, like, a weird knight who hates dragons is chasing three dragon guys. And the the thing is, he ends up fighting, like, three of them and taking no damage and being like, 
fuck you, I'm badass. And I go, no, man, these are three scions. None of them spent karma to go, oh, I just get, like, ten successes, I don't care, I kill you. Yeah, they just, for some reason they're all fighting like idiots. They're like, oh, I'll just use my base stats. And I'm like, I know you're doing this to show how the base stat combat works, but honestly, what the base combat stat does is, oh, I have, uh, four dice. That means I'm gonna average two successes. That's garbage, though. I'm gonna throw six karma at it and murder you. You wanna know why two successes is garbage? Let us tell you all about this game's intricate combat system. Alright, so... We mentioned you get one active physical and one active mental. Now, in your physical category, you can do multiple things. They have a... Uh, if you're familiar with a lot of the uh, White Wolf stuff, you've got flurries, uh, anything like that. But what you do is you can say... Okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a stride action, which lets me move my normal distance. Then I'm going to do a jump, and then I'm going to hit a guy with a sword. So that way, if someone is, say, on the building above me, I can run, jump, get up there, and attack in one action. Now, and every character has a set amount of distance they can move, and it's stuff like 20 feet for a human. Yeah, so, they, they split it down into size categories. Right, so a human can stride, crawl, or dash, which are the three types of move action you can take, which are half, your full, or twice, your movement value. Yep. Now, uh, you have a bunch of different options you can do for things, both offensively and defensively. And a lot of the stuff that you do is going to leave you unbalanced if it's anything aside from a standard action. So if you do something, say, uh, if I want to duck away from something, or if I want to be crawling, or if I'm trying to uh, like run or jump or do something that isn't just walking or attacking then they have a move called ready. A ready move just means you unfuck yourself from your previous position. So it can either be used to say, alright, I'm going to, like, dash and crawl and get over this thing and then ready so that I'm standing up, because if you don't do that, if, say, I had done a spin move or a crawl move or whatever, if I don't ready then I'm disadvantaged, and then I am uh, I have a penalty to all my physical actions. So the way this works is you can string as many moves together as you like to create what you do during your action. So you can say things like, well, I want to run down this, this alleyway, jump over a barrel, swing my sword down, but before I swing my sword down, I want to spin once so I look all super dramatic, and I want to put extra power into the swing, so I'll take a second to power it up. And so what you tell your uh, your DM is, okay, my action is... Stride, stride, jump, spin, power, strike. Yeah. Now that's way too long, and it's it. Normally, you won't make one that's quite that big. But the way that this works is when you roll your your uh, fire successes for to do this, because that's all fire move stuff. You will you have to apply a success to every item in that chain to get the uh, the whole effect out. And it is still opposed. So whoever you were attacking at the end of that is going to roll against you. And depending on the successes he gets versus what you get, you are going to do X amount of things in your chain. Right. So, for example, let's say I have a fairly simple chain. Like, I just want to hit a guy really hard with a sword. And I already have a sword out. So all I do is say power, swing, press. And press is something you can do after you swing to do extra damage. Yeah, power and press are both interesting in that power is I put a move before I attack 
and it gives me plus 5 damage. Press is, I put a move after I attack, that gives me plus 2 damage. So there's no risk involved in pressing. Yeah, so you can always say, if all I'm doing is I'm right next to someone and I attack them, you can throw a press in there and go, even if I only get one success, I still get my attack. Power is, you're gambling on, well, I need an extra success to get my strike in, but if I get it, I get more damage than if I just pressed. Right, which is funny, because it kind of means that one of the things you can do in this game is say, alright, I want to hit this guy with a sword. What's your action? Uh, it's going to be strike, press, 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 press. <laughs> I, didn't sp- I didn't find anything that tells you not to do that. Uh, I'm not sure. I read this way closer than you did. It might not allow you to, but I know it lets you do that with power. Power you can do as much as you want. Yeah, maybe press as a one-time you, thing. Yeah. You, that, that might be the case. So, anyway, so go back to the example. Strike or, or power strike press. So you you have to you have to spend it. You have to have at least three successes for all three of these things to happen. If you only have two successes, then all you get is your power, which is the one you did before, and then your strike, and you have one success in your strike, and then your press doesn't even happen. It, you just don't get it. Yep. So the way defense works is you respond to that. Now, if someone said my attack moves are, uh, say attack ready attack because I have a quick weapon. Uh, then you would have to say, all right, well, I have to defend twice. So I'll say I dodge and dodge. Right, or dodge and spin, or dodge and crouch. Now, if you want to uh, do something, you have to say that. Now, normally you would just count successes and say, all right, uh, I just got more successes than you, nothing happens, but what you can do is a defensive reaction. So let's say... This uh, attack, where it was power attack press was happening, mm-hmm. and I want to uh, do a response to it, I can say, all right, I'm going to dodge, ready, and then attack. So in response to someone attacking you, you can essentially get out of the way and then stab them on their uh, uh, way in. Their taint, right. Yeah, right on the taint. Right, you can get them in the taint with that. Now, you can't always do that, and keep in mind that that literally means you can attack on the turn of someone who was attacking you. Uh, and the way yeah. there's, there's actually an entire fighting style based around doing that. Yeah. Normally, this game has an initiative system. So someone gets to make their attack action, and they say, "Well, my attack action is crouch, spin, dodge, turn, parry, thrust, strike, ha!" And then their their beak gets bent in half. Yeah. Um, but now, the one uh, dis- you might think that's super advan- advantageous to the defender. But the big thing you have to remember is your you first have to defend with your water. But when you're making the attack, you're attacking with fire. Mm-hmm. So if you're pulling dice from something, you have to say what it's going to. So either you're better on the defense, or you're going to be better on your attack swing back. But you can't quite go, I'm amazing at everything. Unless you already are like, I have a six fire to begin with, and fuck it, I pull into water and then just slap you. Or you just throw fucking karma at it. Or, again, karma is the solution to everything in this. Yeah. If someone is coming at you, you just go, look, I throw karma at you and you die. Right, because that's, anytime you're attacked by anyone who's not another dragon guy, you just say, oh, okay, uh, you attack me? Great, my reaction is dodge, ready, kill your ass. And I'm gonna pump, I'm gonna pump a ridiculous amount of karma into that and you're going to die. Yeah, the, the problem with that is, normally you would just go, okay, uh, weapons have a static damage that they do, and if you hit, then you hit. Like, if the attack move in your chain doesn't get negated by the other guy, great, you hit him, you do your damage. Okay, you check that against his soak. 
see if it does a minor or wound penalty or nothing, and there you have it. Now, fighting styles are specific chains. So, you might say, well, normally I like to just go all power and strike. Okay, well, if I have a specific chain that says, if, in order, I do power, strike, ready, strike, then you get what's called a payoff at the end, which gives you something. Usually it's extra damage, a bleed, knockdown, knockout. It's kind of funny how brutal some of the the, uh, payoffs are, because some of the... The deafened and blinded payoffs are permanent. Oh yeah, you actually, like, slash their eyes or stab them in the ear or shit like that. And it permanently blinds them. It doesn't say, like, blind them until the end of the fight or something. No, there's, you would have to get, I think it's like a level 4 spell before you get to the point where you're like, oh, you can regenerate from that. Yeah. Or if you've got the regenerate ability. So if you're playing as a player, avoid any any, uh, monster who's got that type of uh, fighting style because... That's one of those things that's highly advantageous for NPCs to have, but PCs not. Well, the the weird thing is for PCs, uh, a lot of the time, if you're attacking into something and it's got a decent soak, you're only going to hurt it if you're doing yeah. an actual fighting style. But some of the fighting style payoffs are so much better, depending on what you do. There's a fighting style where uh, it's you need two successes. It's just spin, hit a guy. That's your whole move, Mm -hmm. and if you get two successes and get both of those off, the payoff is you knock him out. Right. This is kind of a funny thing about that. There are four or five defensive reaction moves. They are crouch, dodge, block, uh, and spin, and I want to say like leap or something like that. Tumble. Tumble, yeah. Uh, All of them are are basically the same thing. They are, you use this action in in reaction to being attacked. You, You use it as a defense, and then after that you have to ready to be ready to attack again or do something else. Um... Spin, however, seems to get used as an offensive thing a lot, even though it doesn't do anything offensive. There are a couple styles that just throw spin into there, and it would make sense if this was a game that had facing, and it was like, oh, you're looking that way, you spin and hit a guy, and now you can, like, hit a guy behind you. Okay, that would make sense, but it isn't. It's a game that just goes, is someone near you, yeah, you, you attack him. There's no, there's no, like, uh, placement in the game, there's no miniatures. So, it... What that means is that spin is literally just stuck in there into these chains because it sounds badass. Yeah, or they just go, look, we needed to put one more thing in here to give you one more success in order to get your payoff. Yeah. So fuck it, so that's just what we do. So it's spin, I guess. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's fucking dumb. It's, it's stupid. Alright, one of the payoffs I noticed was, okay, so basically a weapon in this game, like a gun, for example, does like 22 to 27 damage. And then there's a lot of soak, which means that normally you won't hit for 22 to 27 one of the payoffs for one of the sword techniques is plus 45 damage to your finishing attack. Oh yeah, there's there's also an attack that is, the payoff is you kill the guy. Right. Of so, course, these are all, oh, you need like six successes. Now, when you're looking at the base game, you go, alright, I might have up to six dice in something, and I could be rolling that, and if I rolled amazingly, I would get six successes, which means if he doesn't defend at all, I can kill him. Great. Uh, it seems like that would be really difficult to do. Except you have karma, which means you walk up to a guy and go, uh, I throw ten karma at it, and I do this finishing move that kills you, and I do. And then I sleep for a week, and I've got all my karma, and I just do that again. Yeah. That's, that's basically the weird thing about this game, is it seems to force that on you. So, well, what it ends up being is uh, a game of chicken between you and the uh, GM for, oh, are you throwing a supernatural being at me? Alright, let's see who runs out of karma first, because the first one to run out of karma 
fucking dies. Right, it, that's another problem it shares with Exalted. Yeah, it is a race to zero, and the first one there dies. Yeah, and then there's a whole bunch of all kind of complicated combat mechanics that you need to know. Like, for example, there are weapon sizes, there are weapon reaches, the weapon reaches are based on your size... The weapon sizes influence how many ready actions you need to take before you can use the same weapon twice in a single combat It also combat depends step. on what you can parry. Yeah, what you can parry or what you can block with. There also are rules for... Uh, how Cars. Mm-hmm. There's car rules. Oh, there's a whole section on car rules and flight maneuverability, which I haven't seen since 1st edition D&D. Well, you need flight maneuverability because you got dragons. Right, of course. But you still, because it's still theater of the mind shit. Yeah, well, That's the thing, is you get this one rule that's like, oh, yeah, you need to know how many degrees of motion your dragon can turn in one round of flight. No, you don't. (laughs) This will be the only time in the game where where, where you are in relation to your opponent matters in the slightest. Yeah, it's a game that doesn't quantify even to being like, oh, like, X feet to X feet is, like, one band of range or something like that. It's just... Oh, well, you can move 20 feet normally, 40 feet if you dash, and 10 feet if you crawl, and you can do this and that, and you go, yeah, but if it's all abstracted, what the fuck do I care? I just go, hey, uh, am I within dash range or stride range? And the DM is going to go, fucking, I don't know, you're in stride range. And then you'll do that. Right. It's, it's a, this is a common problem we've seen in some of the RPGs we've read, is that they give you these extreme examples of perfect granular distance, and then don't give you anything to do with that. Yeah, anytime they do that, it... (sighs) I always look at it and go, you want to be a miniatures combat game because you're giving way too much information for placement and movement speeds and distances, but you don't use it for anything. Right. All right, so we, we've been talking quite a while here. we got to get into the best and worst. Yeah, we do. So, John, what would you say was your favorite thing about uh, Fireborn? I was going to say Dragonborn. I had it yeah, in my head. Yeah, I know, right? Right. It's good, call Dragonborn, whatever. Uh, okay, so I loved the base concept in Fireborn. This was a book that I thought I was... When I was first reading it, I was like, oh man, I'm going to love this because it scratches that kind of crunchy itch that I get that I want to play a game with a lot of weird rules that I can make whatever I want and do a lot of powers and stuff. And it's got that in there. And the baseline is fine. Mm -hmm. It's the base rules of like, here are your dice, you can move them between, you've got a risk-reward system. That's amazing. That is the best thing in here is the base mechanics. Also, there is no way that Scratch That Crunchy Itch isn't a fish song. Oh, right? Yeah. I, I have to imagine. It's... Someone is going to be like, hey man, listen to Scratch That Crunchy Itch. <laughs> it, it's like... 27 minutes. I'm going to be like, this sounds exactly like Farmhouse, guys. All of their <laughs> songs are the same song. I don't care that there was a huge part where one of them was on a trampoline. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, favorite part for you. Okay, my favorite part of this game is the cool dragon powers that you're... The, the ability to create and play as a dragon I thought was kind of neat. The whole other kin format of this game kind of... like I feel like, oh, I'm playing as a human. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was just a cool dragon. Why don't we play that? Can we play cool dragons the game? No, earn your fun. You have to play as a coffee guy. Or, because this game saw 90s White Wolfie, it's got to be like, you play as a raver or a hacker or a club kid. I'm like, I don't care about any of those people. Those are faux 90s cool. Yeah, well, eh. Anyway, favorite thing about the game, rad dragon construction rules. The whole pick one of these three base models of dragon and then layer on extra dragon stuff to get your your individual unique dragon. I could take or leave the sires. The sires are boring and mythologically inaccurate and stupid, but the uh, but the construct your own dragon mechanics, pretty cool. Yeah, the buffet of dragon where you just make your own dragon, that's fine. Great, that, stuff's, that, that stuff was particularly interesting to me. I wish it was the base game. <laughs> And uh, what would you say was your least favorite thing about Dragonborn? Uh, 
Why are you so disappointed? Why does it have to go to military school? The the game does everything just a little off. Every single rule in this game is, oh, you do this, that's really interesting. Also, here's this extra bit we put in there, or here's stuff we left out, and everything feels either too complex or a little lacking. I'm going to go ahead and say the uh, magic system in this is one of those ones that I looked at and thought, this is garbage for two reasons. It's so tacked on that we didn't even talk about it till now. Yeah, so you can get magic. It's different from all the rest of your powers. You can specifically have a skill that's casting things. Mm -hmm. In order to cast a spell, you have to use air to weave it and then fire to cast it. And, and karma to power it. Well, some have karma. Most yeah. is just you do that and it goes. And you can you can boost them up with extra karma. As so yeah. the, the main thing with that is if you get too many successes when you're casting a fire with your fire on your casting a spell, it damages you. So if I it's a two success to cast a level one spell and I get three successes, I take a ten damage worth hit. Because every success is ten damage to you. Just so much karma. But you can channel that into, like, special things. And so the the casting system ends up being really oddly complex. You've got rituals. You've got add-ons. You've got different versions of spells. You can learn uh, up to rank 5, and you need successes equal to double the rank of the spell. So a rank 5 spell takes 10 successes, which normally is fucking impossible. Mm -hmm. Except you're a goddamn dragonborn, which means a level, like... One, right out the gate character can go, oh, I rolled two, I spend eight karma, I don't care, I cast a goddamn level five spell. Right, sure. So, it's, the spellcasting system is just, it's a symblem of, symblem? Symblem. <laughs> it's a it's symblem. A, it's it's a, symblematic. It's a symblem, which is uh, going to be mentioned in John's new TED talk. Yeah, symblems. Symblems and engramats. <sighs> God. <laughs> yeah, Okay. So it is a symbol of what is wrong with the system in that you have a base idea that's okay, and then it gets too complex and weird and then completely nullified by karma. Sure. My least favorite thing? Okay, my least favorite thing is the unnecessary or poorly thought out granularity. By which I mean this game's got a lot of, like, powers that you can get where there's ten levels of threshold checks that you can do, and that's completely unnecessary because, like, level one is... Convince a guy to do a thing he was going to do. And, and level two is convince a guy to do a thing he was probably going to do. And level three is convince a guy to do a thing he might have done later, but he wasn't going to do right now, but maybe he would have done at some point. And then level ten is make a guy kill himself. And it's <laughs> like, it's like you don't need that. You, you just, those first couple levels are something that you should be able to handle without using superpowers. Hmm. Like hmm. if your character's good enough to have a superpower in being persuasive, then why not just be persuasive and walk up to the guy and go, hey man. I feel like you deserve a break, and not throw karma at it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the superpowers fluctuate in what Value. they can do. Yeah, because you get some where it's like, I have the superpower that lets me rip a dude's face off, and then some are like, I have a superpower where I can, I can kind of tell if someone's nearby if I can hear them. You're like, okay, great. Yeah, or I can, I can move through the earth, but I get real slow if there's a pipe in the way. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> But I'm real good at taints, though. Just not pipe. I can't lay pipe, but taint. <laughs> what, whatever. Anyway, would you play Fireborn? Oh God. You know what the weird thing is? I, I think, I think this game has ruined me because if someone was like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna run a game of Fireborn," I would want to play it just to make a character. The the character creation in this 
seems like it would be a lot of fun to just sit down and math out and get really nerdy about and go, I got this power and I did that and I made this cool dragon and then my, my dude in the real world has weird power and he does a stupid thing and I'd be like, okay, awesome. And then we would get down to play and I'd go, oh, this system's kind of dumb, isn't it? Yeah, it'd be like playing Scion. Just like playing the same game, Scion. We're like, oh man, I made an awesome detective who's actually a secret son of Bast, and it's, oh, it's gonna be so cool. And then and then you try and play the game, you're like, oh, this isn't any fun. Yeah, no, so I would probably play at least a session of that where I was like, I'm super into this. And then it would start happening, and I'd go, oh, wait, oh, wait, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I feel, I'm roughly the same. I don't really feel like I'd really want to play this. But I think, like, a question that the audience is really going to want to want us to address instead of when we play this game is, what's up with the other kin status of this thing? This is, like, the famous The Other Kin game that people talk about. Does it live up to that? Is it The Other Kin game? Well, it's interesting that you mention that, because you'll find out if you give us money for our Patreon. Oh, Lord. Go to our Patreon and support, and you, too, can get bonus content. In that bonus content, we create characters and give you special insight into the game's inner mechanics. Why, for only a dollar a month, you can support these poor, starving, fat idiots. Oh, God. Okay, so you don't, you, you want to push that question? No, I'm fine with answering it. Oh, uh, great, it, okay. It isn't. It, it's why I mentioned it in the same breath as After the Bomb, is you can look at it and go, Oh, you're playing anthropomorphic animals, oh, furry. In the same way you go, oh, your guy used to be a dragon, oh, you're another kin. I go, well, eh. I feel like it has a lot of, here's the reason I, there's a lot of games where your character secretly had a different past life, or it can turn into a dragon, and that that's not really all that rare. I mean, if you think about it, a better other kin game would be Nightbane, the, the Palladium game where you turn into like a half motorcycle, half bat. Because, <laughs> I mean, because it'll be like, oh, on the inside, I, for what I really am is a bear with metal for hands. But... But in this game, it's more like, oh, you just had an interesting history and past. The problem, the reason it comes across other Kenny to me is the special snowflakiness. The sort of, well, of course your character feels unique and different. He is. Well, yeah, but that's literally every single fucking White Wolf role-playing game and any young adult yeah, novel. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, it's wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, it's just, hey, I'm Percy Jackson. Turns out I'm the son of a god. herp a derp doo Yeah, okay, so that's fine. So you don't think it's all that other Kenny of a game as far as... I, I don't. I feel like it's very easy to uh, associate with that. And I think anyone who was another Kenny would be like, sweet, this is the game where I get to do my cool thing. Yeah. But, again, it's because... It's because other can exist because of a specific idea of wanting to be special. And games let you be special. And this just happens to feed into their specific way they want to be special. I feel like it's really a lot of our fans who also have no idea what we're talking about when we say other can over and over again. Well, Google exists. Yeah, figure it out, folks. It's on the internet. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's it's people who think they're secretly another thing on the inside. Yep, there you go. All right. So there you go. Um, I think we've covered it all. So if you want to support us, as John mentioned earlier, you've got the Patreon, but if you're just looking to hear, find more, you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com. Or you can find us on our many social media channels, including System Mastery at Facebook, Twitter, Gmail. Drop us a line. Send us recommendations for future books. Don't be surprised if it takes us a long time to do them. We're we're like eight months backlogged. <laughs> it's <a, laughs> and it's amazing. Coming up is October, and this will be the fourth year in a row that I'm doing my Horror-toberfest. I watch a horror movie every day and review it for the entire month of October. And we're going to have several episodes of Movie Mastery going on during this month. So, 
In addition to uh, our normal poll that we do for Movie Mastery, we're going to do a horror-themed one. So give us suggestions, tweet at us, email us, whatever. Let us know movies that are in the horror genre that you would like us to review, or just me to review. Torture me as much as you want. Honestly, I've probably seen most of the dumb crap you want me to watch anyway. This is Our plan at the moment is to uh, do, or, or for the month of October... Our plan is to move Movie Mastery from every other week to every week and do it every Thursday for the entire month of October. This is going to be a real strain on me because I hate horror movies. Oh, yeah. I'm not even scared of them. I just find it to be the cheapest, shittiest genre. Yeah, and obviously Jeff is wrong and terrible and hates good Uh, things. Nothing wrong with that. I'm okay with being being the pariah in this situation. I just don't want to watch five of these. But I'm gonna to help you out. There you go. So, send us your requests or suggestions... And we will go ahead and put them onto a new list that we will be pulling from for this coming month. That's correct. And uh, as always, you can uh, follow us, listen to Movie Mastery. It's a separate RSS feed. You can find both those shows on iTunes and Stitcher. So rate, review, and subscribe. uh, And help more people find out all about us and get us more listeners. Because that'd be fun. That'd be great for everyone. Everybody. Everybody wins when we get more listeners. Because eventually, we buy a pig. Just, Just think about it. We get a pig. We want a pig, guys. Micro pig. Little, little booties. Little booties. Little pig. Like, put it near a beer. I'm not sure if it gets to have any of the beer, but... No, but it'll be next to it. You can you can judge the size of the pig by the size of the beer. That's correct. No. So, anyway, that's been enough of System Mastery for this week. We'll see you soon for the bonus episode and also an afterthought next week. And until then, have a great week.